Hello, I'm Emily Bellet, founder of Vespod and author of You're Not Broke, You're Pre-Rich. And you're listening to The Wallet. Every week, we give you the best tips, guidance, and a good dose of inspiration and motivation to manage your money better. What happens when a financial crisis hits? When your husband had a business that was in far more debt than what you had realized? In Clemmy's words, you feel sick every morning, hoping that the bailiff won't come knocking. Financial security is something I have taken for granted. My guest today is brilliant podcaster, Instagrammer, and mother of three, Clemmy Telford. She worked as a creative director in top ad agencies and most recently at Facebook. She's the creator of the Mother of All List blog. Clemmy attempts to get to the bottom of some of the life's trickiest questions by having honest money conversations. And today, she opens up about her own money journey. I need your help. The Wallet has been named a finalist for Best Health and Wellness Podcast in the 12th Annual Lovey Awards. This is awesome, but we now need to win. Please take a second and vote for us. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you so much. The UK gender pension gap is 38% on average, rising to almost 60% in some regions. There are barriers at almost every stage of a woman's life, limiting her ability to save for retirement. Today's sponsor is Pension B. Pension B is a leading online pension provider that has enabled thousands of savers to be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. You can download the app or head to pensionb.com for more information or speak to their team of beekeepers. Just remember that capital is at risk. Remember that we are not certified financial advisors. Information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. I think you have a very interesting stories and you had a lot of financial challenges also along the way. So for me, it's super interesting to understand how you felt at the time and how you feel better about these like different life events and also going from, you know, being a freelancer, a business owner, an influencer, then working for Facebook. So it's, it's quite, it's quite a journey. Yes. Um, so maybe we can start with today. How, you know, how do you feel about money today and how do you sort of manage your finances if you do? Um, I, well, you know what, when we were talking in well, I was thinking about how I would talk to you today. I know, I know that money will all, well, money continues to be quite a triggering subject for me. And I don't know how much of that is the case for everybody. But yeah, I've certainly had some ups and downs in it. And at this very moment, we are, uh, well, it's three years journey, but six months into a huge renovation project, um, Monster. And we had the offer accepted to on that house in 2019 with a with a good budget in mind for that renovation. Little did we know, Brexit, pandemic, you know, we're talking about the cost of, of ply last night. You couldn't have, even with all the best planning in the world, you couldn't have foreseen how much this kind of project would would um would escalate. And so we are in, we're six weeks out from uh, move, so we're at the very sticky point of that. And so I'm losing a lot of sleep about money again. Over the weekend, I was talking to my friends, and all my all my close friends are things are tight. You know, mortgages are going up and up. Work 
this has been a, a bad year for me in terms of um, work, hasn't been as regular. And part of that is because I've been working on different projects, relaunching a mm-hmm. website, um, doing a big renovation, which is like a job. So I know that, but it's it's definitely that thing of I turned 40 this year and I was talking to my best friend and like, well, you have ideas of what um, your finances in your 40s will look like. <laughs> and it's not like that, you know. It, it, well, for, for, for myself, it isn't. We're... Look, we're we're absolutely fine, but we are definitely not. I don't know. For an example, we went away in, earlier in the year, and I went to go and hire a car, and it was much more expensive than we thought. So we ended up not flying and getting a car. We drove, and so yes, we're still going on the holiday, but it we haven't got that kind of freedom that I might have expected. So yeah, uh, okay, but not relaxed about money in this particular moment. Not relaxed, and and. Also, if you manage different projects, you're a freelancer, you know, you negotiate your contracts one by one, I guess. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? Like the money conversation on, on, on the work side? Because it's, it's super personal when you negotiate for yourself, basically. So I've got two experiences of this. Right now, I have an agent. Yeah. And I have an agent for exactly that reason, because the negotiating part is something that, that I, I don't have particular strength in. I would find it easy to negotiate for other people. But, you know, having your own self-worth and I'm dyslexic, so it's about playing to your strengths. That That isn't where my abilities lie. And having an agent, really, I was very hesitant about having one, but they are able to negotiate me at better prices than I would probably do for myself. So... But of course, you're in this strange, it's it's quite an unusual business model then because they have whatever, 15, 20% of any of my earnings go to them. So yeah, there's not that, it's a very certain business model where that happens. Um, but historically, I when I was in agencies, in ad agencies, which is a weird one, at the bottom, you're paid terribly, at the top, you're paid brilliantly. And I had an awful thing where, so I went back after my first son, went back quite quickly after eight months and I was in creative director role at that point. Ended up going out for a very fateful dinner with some peers and for once had a very honest conversation about our earnings. And I realised I was being paid 50% less than I should have been for the role that I was doing. And I and actually, we'll talk about it in a minute, that kind of huge rug pull was a bit replicated of something that happened in my personal life with money. I was like, I'm it. I am that cliche of someone who is kind of in this sticky situation because I'm on maternity leave, because I'm. they probably know I'm going to have more children. They, they would, yeah, they would take me for a ride. And actually what happened, I then went and moved jobs and went and got this job at Facebook And for the first time ever, I had a better understanding of what my worth was. And so properly, properly negotiated my pay. And, you know, I think technology tends to pay really well. But I couldn't believe it that one challenging conversation asking for a significant, significant amount more at that contract point is enough to change the way the whole of my, you know, family life is. Because I just said, oh... I'd like to be paid what I'm worth and I believe it is X. And they, you know, 10 minutes later, they're like, oh, yeah, of course. You just think, oh, that's what, for more. <laughs> yeah, but that's all it took. And I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I've had many interesting experiences with in terms of pay and, and value. 
was it a difficult conversation for you to to ask for more and really know your value or you were just like I really need to do it now because I need the money yeah I think because I need the money because I was so angry at having been um taken for a ride so badly yeah and because for the first time ever I'd done my research I think that's a real thing I wish I'd known before you you can you know headhunters will help you out someone will find out what your kind of going rate card is and as it happens I wasn't in a minority at that point I think it was three percent of creative directors were female so that's a real actually a really strong leverage point and it, yeah it, it's just a matter of of being brave enough to ask for it and the thing is what bothered me is that I had hoped that these industries would reward loyalty and long-term commitment to the job but actually no, no they don't and, and advertising is <laughs> a funny one because it because it's creative industries you're made to feel like you're in a kind of artsy family environment but it's as corporate as the rest of them and that's the, the real thing that struck me no one is no one's looking out for you, really. You've got to look up, out for yourself. And I think at that point, because I've been so badly damaged, I was like, I have been trying to role model something and I haven't managed to do that. So this is the moment for me to do that, to to be the person that I think should, you know, that I want my parents, my, my kids to be and how I think other women in the industry ought to be treated. So I've got to ask the difficult question. And how did you feel when you got this like salary increase by just changing job? You felt like, yeah, you know, I'm done. This is abundance. I love it. Yeah, it's amazing. And you know what? It does change your working relationship when you're paid what you're worth, which yeah. I was there. That you know, I felt like my it was a very good salary, and yeah, Facebook look after you really well. The, the problem with when you're undervalued, underpaid, is it is it's a hotbed for resentment and. Yeah. And I know that now if I'm... So I have a rate card for influencer work, but there's obviously a flex on that. And I have to really check myself. Sometimes it, you can bring bring your, your value down, but if you do it and, and there's any space for resentment, it will end up shaping the whole of the work that you do. Yeah. And and that's, it's really toxic. I mean, we talk about like value of work, but are your own values important? So would you like pick some clients and decide not to work with like certain brands and stuff like that because you don't just do it for the money? Yes. I mean, fundamentally, I've been across my influence. Well, no, across all, all forms of advertising as a creative director and as um, an influencer. I, you know, I try ultimately not to look at the fee, to look at the brand. And I always know, I know in my gut whether they are the the right brand for me. And actually, I think it's really important That my favourite ever briefs are the ones where it's a brand you're like, oh, I had kind of written you off and then I'm learning something about you and you're, you've changed my mind, you know. So, But it's a difficult thing. As I say, we're, we're, this year we've been, finances haven't been great and I have got to lower the bar, not to work yep. on things that's, that are in opposition with my values, but but it is work and I think that's very difficult in this in this realm where you get a lot of people being highly critical of hashtag ads But it, it it's your income. I've, you know, there's no two ways about it. I'm I'm the sole income provider in my house as well. My husband's a stay-at-home dad, so sometimes there has to be some flex. And I think that I think that's my big learning with money, that you can have your kind of gold standard of of what you want it to be, but there is also the reality of needing needing to work, and sometimes those things aren't don't all sit very neatly together. 
Yeah, and sometimes it's also not linear. And you talked about, and I think especially for women, you talked about having this, you know, great job at Facebook that pays really well. And sometimes influencer work, you may have some good years, you may have some years that are not as good. So it's how do you manage this, this transition? So for you, do you go back into your budget, your day-to-day and stuff like that? Or, you know, what do you do? Or you have these grand plans or you hope for, yeah, <laughs> hope I think- for the best? Um, again, I really have to try and work on these expectations because, it, th- th- like I said earlier, oh, I thought by this point in my life I would have X. Now, that is a completely imagined thing anyway. And then you have to go, no, but look what, but look what you have got. And what, what I've learned from the times when I've been the most well off, you know, in those kind of years then, you're, you're you're spending just increases, you know, you're buying slightly nicer food, you're going on nicer holidays. So it, it's kind of all relative. But there's also a payoff, you know, the, the years when I've earned the most, I've been super stressed out with work. And that's why this year when the, you know, my balance sheet won't look as good. I know that a lot of time has been invested into our future family home. So I've got, but I have to talk myself through that. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's always the balance. And for me, the balance between time and money also. So I guess, you know, you were super busy at work. So now we're spending more time with the family, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's difficult. I, and now I'm working for something that is my own across everything that I do. And, and that does have value. It's not easy to remember that when you're self-employed, but it does. <laughs> it does. Oh, my word. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not for the faint-hearted um, being self-employed. It's a ride. It's um, a ride. We love it, but it's a ride. <laughs> well, the thing is, every I do, I go through this interesting cycle every six months or so. I'm like, I'm going, I'm going back. I'm going back to advertising. You know, I'm going back to what my know my salary would be, and I don't have to think, and I can, and then, and then I've, I've actually a couple of times gone quite far down in um, interview processes for what would have once been my dream jobs, and then something stops me because I'm like, oh, but I've got to give up all of this. So, th- th- yeah, there is no winning solution in that sense. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about social media and comparison, because that comes up a lot, especially when we when we talk about money. And, and mm-hmm. I guess you spend quite a bit of time online. Yeah. I mean, when I know when I spend time online, I get triggered by stuff like, mm. you know, and money is is part of it, not not directly necessarily, but you know, you start comparing yourself to others, what you have, what you don't mm-hmm. have. I think that forces people to actually spend more money. So how do you feel about, um, you know, spending a lot of time on socials? Um, I mean, I, I feel exactly the same. It's extremely triggering. And for me, it is work. So I really try and be quite boundaried about that now and, and use it, visit it in working hours and, you know, have holidays. But the, the biggest trigger for me is around clothes. <laughs> That's where this this idea that I need more clothes and more clothes and more clothes and more clothes, and I just don't. I just don't. <laughs> but it. But I like clothes, and I think I wouldn't even be thinking about them if I wasn't, you know, seeing other people wearing stuff. So that is the one I have to really check in with. And and actually, interesting as I'm doing this renovation and I'm trying to share that experience. And I'm trying to do that quite honestly, but knowing that it's, you know, I'm privileged to be doing this thing. But there's so many negotiations within that that people won't realise, you know, the the decisions you have to have made. Yes, we might have an amazing work surface, but we will have compromised on something else. And I think that's the the nuance and the context of of people spending um, 
will rarely be portrayed online. So, yeah, you have to have your wits about you. And the problem is with social media, you always or I always spend time on there when I'm already feeling at my worst. And it's, yes. it's the self-harm, it's like, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Here we go. This is what I want. Oh, yeah, now I feel worse than I did 20 minutes ago. Thank you. And I knew that, <laughs> yeah, but that's OK. It. Let's give it another hour. <laughs> um I mean, you. I, I wanted to talk to you about like a more like specific event, and 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 you wrote about it. And in in 2017, you published actually an article saying how we survived financial crisis. Mm-hmm. Just can you tell me about this life event and what happened? Yeah, I was like trying to um, piece this together in my mind. So, yeah, in 2017, we had two kids. And I'd done those kind of back-to-back maternity leaves pretty close. The boys are under two years apart. We were in the middle of this first renovation of this house here. And my husband had started a business when my, my just before my youngest was born and then basically went through a bit a breakdown. And as part of that, bankrupted the business. But for whatever reason, you know, we've been through a lot of therapy about it, lied to me in that process. Yeah. Um, you know, and and, and which we, happens like super often to be yeah. honest, in couples. And also, you know, I had these and two my... two two very small babies who was trying to protect me in and you know, and those actions were all wrong. But yeah, we got to bailiffs at the door regularly say, you know, we were in these two things. Our marriage is suddenly crumbling. Yeah. And our finances are in in an absolute no place. And at that point we're in the middle of the build. And and interestingly, that that life event is what pushed me deeply into social media because I needed to try and find other ways to earn money. On so for a while, I did Instagram, oh, social media, and my advertising job. So it's always strange that I ended up here because for me, that was my survival thing. This is where, like, how do I get us out of this? And in all honesty, it did. But anyone who's been at the stage where you've got bailiffs at your door regularly, it is such a bleak state of affairs because because you are trying to deal with some, I imagine often, some kind of mental health breakdown simultaneously. Yeah. No one means to find yourself there. And the problem is once you're in those kind of systems, I think what we realised in years to come that the people, often those bailiffs were coming round. You know, it's not like a central organisation that is kosher. There's kind of, there's bailiffs coming around attached to all signs of things, but because you're not in control of what's going on, you're you're throwing money at things when you might not need to. You're in, you're so emotionally triggered that you can't see the woods for the trees. And yeah, it it was, it was deeply, deeply dark. And 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 full of shame to be honest um shame because the, that it was tied up with lying shame because we'd let ourselves get to that point and again a, a bit like what we're saying with this renovation you you can't foresee what's going to happen we had a baby ben's dad died it's like life sometimes just throws a load of stuff at you um but i mean i can't, and then i think oh, why on earth did we go and do another renovation but that shows that we he- we healed enough yeah, in that time to go there, but it, but I think also you don't always know what's going on behind closed doors. Not that we were presenting as dripping in cash, but we were kind of holding it together within reason. We were pretty, you know, living a pretty averagey life, and meanwhile things were, yeah, things were spiraling really badly. And 
at the time, did you talk to anyone about it? I mean, you talk about shame. It's really hard, I guess, to share with friends and stuff. Yeah, we, I mean, good friends and family, because again, you know, at that point, you you don't know whether we're, we're trying to save our marriage first of all. I think yeah. we were, and then and then it's just a bit by bit. You know, you go, through, you have to go through the process of um, filing a company and so on. Then you begin to pay back the debts. Then you get a bit, and and it's just a slow, slow, slow journey out. But it, the problem is, or oh, oh, I don't know if it's a benefit, but that they're they're wounds that um, stay with you for a long time. So again, with this build, when we've some of the moments of it have felt like they replicated that time, which they haven't, because we've gone into it so differently this time. But we, I suddenly see our conversations, and they and they blow to versions of old conversations and you have to go no this is different we've learned we've planned we've etc etc but it, it does stay with you and uh, yeah I think it's very heavy I don't know no my husband and I've worked through it I, I spent a lot of time looking at like financial infidelity you know that kind yeah. of level of um it, it, it for me it showed up a similar experience to if he had been unfaithful to me because it, it's um, a lack of knowing and, and lies and things like that. So it's difficult. How do you feel about it today? Do you think it's it's too early to have, you know, learned some important lessons and you still carry that or you're completely over it? No, and I, I thought we were over it. Well, we were over it enough to go again at this re yeah. renovation. We knew that we were; it was going to put us close to these things. I don't think you ever get over moments when when your life feels like it's absolutely crumbled. But but that's that is life. To be honest, there are we all have been through versions of that. Um, yeah, and it's strange because you get to the years when it no longer shows on your credit score, so you're out in that sense. But it, yeah, I don't think I. I'd be worried if we did kind of move totally past it, to be honest, because I think it's something yeah. to something to hold on to. But I don't come of it, come at it with any resentment or anger. <laughs> yeah, it just it's part of knowing what what being a grown up is and what marriage is and what I think what your finance. There will be people who will never get close to the edge like that, but there will there will be many people that that do. Do you think you, that has changed? your view of what is money or how you feel about money? Well, I just know I know what it feels like when you've when when you've got none and, and and again I say that fully aware that even when things were bad we had a roof over our head and yeah. clothes on our back. You know, that we're very far from poverty stricken and I'm well aware of that. But but it ends up dominating your absolutely every waking thought. It, it shapes everything, and it and it and it's it sounds dark, but you're very off kilter with every everybody else as well. I remember so many times being at things, I just think, oh, I can't. People, oh, we'll just go and get a cheap bottle of wine. And you think I can't? We can't even get that, which is again a luxury. But I don't know. It, there's a real learning, I think, for me, and this all happened in our late twenties where I was friends with a group of people, we're all kind of similar, we're all doing the same things. And then as you get to your later 20s, into your 30s, people's finances massively split, don't they? People's jobs suddenly begin to pay or people get inheritance or whatever. And so you have to really check in with yourself, like just because they can do this, it doesn't mean that, that we can and, and really begin to 
not get swept up in that. I think for a long time I was just doing what everyone was doing because I thought that's what, and then you have to go, yeah, where are we at and what can we afford? Can I ask you about maybe the main lesson you've learned from, from that or how do you approach money with friends, conversations you, you, you're, you're having today? With more, with more honesty, but also trying to have a dialogue Again, I remember around that time it was in prime Hindu times and weddings, yeah. which is so expensive. expensive. And you're just like, oh, and this and this and this. And now, you know, with, with my, it's funny, I my core friends are probably in very financially similar situations to me now. So that we have, you cover that kind of implicit shared understanding of what we can and can't do. But yeah. also, also being much easier and saying, oh, we're organising a get together Uh, recently we were, we'd booked to go to a nice restaurant and then one of one of us were like you know what I just can't afford it and then the rest of us were like I can't afford it Same. I kind of yeah should we have pasta at someone's house you know yes we haven't moved on from when yeah. we were 20 but we'll have as nice a time and you don't you don't have to go and have that nice meal to do that and I think actually COVID taught us a bit of that you know if you can have a lovely time going for a walk with a coffee You don't always have to like layer money into things, it, it, yeah. So I've learned to what have I learned? Money can buy really, really lovely experiences, but you can you can do an awful lot for not much. And for me, actually, so many of my happiest memories, particularly as in parenting, are when we're doing really not much at all. So I think that's that's really good. And going forward, now do you see money as something that is? abundant and you feel that's okay I will always have enough or no, are you no. still worried <laughs> I'm not worried I'm just I just go with caution but I think it, yeah as a freelancer you're so much more acutely aware of of the um the ups and downs of things yeah yeah and as I say we, we're, we're fine but uh, yeah you It's good. I think in the days when I had a big salary, the next paycheck, the next paycheck, the next paycheck. In actual fact, that isn't guaranteed either, but you can be really lulled into the idea that it is. Whereas when you're living, in my case, brief by brief by brief, yeah, yeah, it's it's that thing. I'll, you Look, I could have an amazing brief land on my desk tomorrow for a big chunk of money, and then I might not have another one for the rest of the year. So yeah. I am grateful for the ones that come my way, but I don't take them for granted. And can I ask you, what are your goals, maybe financial goals, the things you want to achieve? That's a good one. It's interesting, as I say, as we move into this house, which is our forever house. Um, yeah, it is. That's a big goal. Yeah, it is. And I'm going to cry, you know, um, no. because we bought, we bought, yeah, it's an amazing house and we're going to move into it in a less finished state than we hoped, but we always the case, always yeah. the case. Um, but you know what, again, We've had some quite hilarious times with the kids on this building site where they're just absolutely covered in dust. And it's very, you're very much can be focused on what the kind of end financial goal is and forget that this this is their childhood, this is it now. Um, so that's a huge, that's a huge goal to have ticked off once we are in there. And then, yeah, trying, trying to, I don't know, Be ambitious with money, but not to the point that it it can erode all the rest of things. Because yeah, yeah, especially with 
with parenting is very finite, the amount of um, time. And actually, again, we were making some decisions in the house where we were trying to stretch ourselves and t- in order to get this this dream house for these kids. And then we're like, but what's the point if if we're so stressed out that we can't enjoy the moment now with them. It's just like, it's not worth it. And and my last thing on, on the kind of the balance, we've done some really spanking holidays with them and they've been amazing and they have. But then we also go camping every year. And I bet, and I bet if I asked them which they enjoyed most, I know what they'd say. I know. So you, you do have to just, yeah, it, I, I enjoy spending money, but there is so much else beyond that. I'm excited to announce our very first Vespot Festival taking place on October 9th. Money Matters, in collaboration with the Financial Times, is a full day of inspiring money talks, workshops, great music and food at the Net in London. Get your tickets at vespot.com events or through the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Wallet. Please share this show with your friends and subscribe on your favorite platform. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It only takes a few seconds, but it helps more people find our show. Don't forget to book your ticket to our Vespod Festival, Money Matters. It's not a bribe, but there will be breakfast, lunch, and some great music. So head to vespod.com events now. Join us again next Thursday for another episode of The Wallet for an in-depth look at who is Kathy Wood, a star stock picker and founder of $60 billion ARK Invest, which invests in innovations like self-driving cars and genomics. <laughs>